So when when did the non fungible humans start dropping? <laughs> the non fungible humans. Yeah, the NFHs. NFHs. Wow, I feel like they're probably already among us. To be honest, I, I'm expecting mm-hmm. that there's like robots in the street and all the advanced like. No, I'm talking about your kids, bro. No, those are non fungible. Yeah, that's how they probably stay then. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can hardly keep up with my dog daughter's allergies. Let alone oh. prepare for a real human here. So. <laughs> Well, we'll see if, um, you know, society gets less bleak and uh, mm-hmm. if, uh, if, if I've got enough money to enough money and enough oxygen to bring another mm-hmm. human into the world here. Mm-hmm. So, that was something we were just talking about in the IMT, actually. Uh, oh, really? Again, was the uh, there's this conception they had that big banking was so much uh, worse for the environment than crypto. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and that was like one of the first things I remember arguing with you about too, is like, well, isn't this like all these servers bad? I mean, I sell, I teach people how to sell tech and mm-hmm. <laughs> I just moved to, you know, big tech, uh, right. you know, with Microsoft and Amazon and stuff. But that, that was something we were just arguing about too, is like how all of the tech, everything is like this funny example of taking us further from humanity and mm-hmm. uh, increasing our carbon footprint as a society more too. Mm-hmm. Well, Yes. So I also read uh, a report recently that was talking about that. Uh, basically, the legacy banking system does use more energy than Bitcoin, as an example. And it's just interesting to me that everybody, nobody has, thinks about how much energy they're using, you know, until suddenly it's the banking system or the media owned by the banks telling people that <laughs> Bitcoin is using so much energy. And I'm also not saying, I'm not going to deny that it is very energy intensive to do proof of work mining, but I also think energy use in and of itself is not necessarily bad. It's right. bad if it's carbon intensive and it's, you know, if, if it's coal or something, but yeah. Uh, if we if if it was all renewable, would energy use be necessarily bad? I don't think you could say that because if you look at basically every soci- every part of society, um, when people t- love to talk about oh, like you know we've we've seen poverty go down, it's almost always because people are u- able to use more energy, have access to more energy, mm-hmm. and um, so and al- also just say as a side note to that, compared to the overall energy grid, which is something like two or three percent renewable. Um, the Bitcoin energy grid is something like 35% renewable last time I checked. And it's partially because of the incentives being such that, you know, when people are responsible for paying for their own, you know, power in that very kind of direct and open way, it makes it more, uh, I guess, glaring if you're, if you're not using renewables, you know, you're more incentivized is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. No. And I I think we're headed there. Um, Obviously, we need to pull every renewable idea out of the hat to try and save the earth, I'm sure. But yeah. um, that's that's a funny stat. I'm going to write that one down. They're, they're going to probably give me a lead in or have me talk about I'm like the only one in the group who seems to support crypto. And I'm mm-hmm. not very interesting. I'm, I'm much less educated than you. I'm sure this is going to be more me interviewing you here. Um, almost. Sure. But I, I wrote that stat down to take back to them and, and give them um, some, some proof in the pudding. I, I... Yeah, I mean, I just think, again, I think it's just so interesting to me. This, this argument has come up many times in the last few months. I think a handful of my friends have started to maybe get into more curious about crypto, and then they kind of run into the whole, oh, the energy usage. Because, again, that's the narrative being pushed. But nobody right. seems to think about this when it comes to 
video gaming or streaming, which is constant no, I need that, bro. I need data. That. And, and, and like, why do we, why are we, we're just totally okay with, you know, every random, uh, you know, every random person posting photos of their ugly grandkids or their dog or whatever on and uploading, um, you know, infinite amounts of crap to the internet or downloading porn or whatever they're doing. And, but it's only suddenly now, you know, the, the Bitcoin is the problem and crypto is the problem. Nobody thinks about their energy usage. We use something yeah. like the, the average plus also for you, if we're worried about energy usage, to be honest, they, again, I, I, you know how I don't love to go with the stats, but <laughs> right. I, I was going to say, we, you know, whether it's 180 times as much or if it's 100 times as much or even if it's eight times as much, they say that the top 1% uh, of, you know, wealth holders on the planet use 180 times as much energy. So as the like bottom 50%. So, well, I mean, it takes a, a lot of coal to move my yacht. It, it truly, I mean, it's, it's yachts, it's air conditioning. I mean, the United States uses more energy, just air conditioning our houses and offices than the entire continent of Africa uses on everything period on every, every part of their energy usage. So <laughs> again, it just seems like very selective and interesting yeah. timing for people to start being up in arms about these things, you know? Well, no, you're, you're totally right. That comes top down from the corporate level, right? It's, um, and mm -hmm. once again, we find ourselves just diving in here. Um, I think it was 2005 BP like coined the term of personal carbon mm -hmm. footprints or started to push their campaign of it. I don't know if they had a right. oil spill or who's, uh, <laughs> funny marketing work that was, but since then, like, I, I mean, I, we all care about it so much. I see in Seattle now a big difference from Florida is even the trashing. Mm -hmm. if you, so, so there's three cans here. There's compost. There's recycling. There's trash. Mm -hmm. You have to pay the bigger the can you use of any of them, but trash mm -hmm. is the most expensive one out of them. And I left like a piece of styrofoam in a cardboard box on the side of my can the other day. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like passive aggressively put it in my trash can hanging out of the lid, which mm -hmm. is also empty to show me. Hey, this is supposed to be in your trash, not, you know, in the cardboard section of recycling. And it's right. so nitty gritty and fine detailed. And I've got all these different receptacles. I bought a Numi composter to make dirt out of cardboard now. I, I've um, got all these things that, like, I need to care about. And right. it's burnt the second a billionaire wants to go to space or whatever. Of course. And it reminds me a lot of, I think we touched on this the last time we talked, but it's a very common part of the playbook, if you ask me, and I hate to always kind of sound like I'm, you know, the conspiracy theorist or something, but <laughs> but it's it's a very much about taking these larger systemic issues. One, the one that's kind of comes mm -hmm. to mind is mental health, right? And and turning it into an individualized problem that you need to either pay, you need to pay for therapy for, you need to pay for some pharmaceuticals for, you need to do self care, which is an entire industry, you know. And mm -hmm. it's like, why are people why? Do, why do most people have mental health issues uh, because of the you know, abusive nature of our society and because of the massive wealth inequality and because people have to work jobs they hate and we live in a poison environment, all those kinds of things. But then they turn it into, oh, you're having a problem. You need to take care of it personally. And again, there's always like a bunch of costs and again, an industrial complex kind of surrounding that. You yeah. Know? I mean, we're stuck in our, our bubble of it too. I, at first I thought you said abuse of nature, not abusive nature. And I, I think both mm, kind of work. Both, there. both work, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but it's, it's like, I didn't decide I want to take all these photos on my phone. And then I didn't decide that I want live photos and then mm -hmm. live bounce photos. And then mm -hmm. videos weren't enough. I need slow-mo videos or I mm -hmm. need whatever other types. And so now it's like you expand that and make that accessible to everybody that owns a phone or has everything across. Well, now I need more data and storage for that. And I'm mm -hmm. never going to teach you how to turn it off because Apple makes 99 cents a month off of your storage. Oh, now they make 3.99 a month off your storage. Exactly. So 
Uh, your whole identity is just your genome is uploaded in the Apple Cloud. Yeah, it's really a matter of time. Yeah. But yeah, I just think it's uh, very, again, it's a very interesting timing wise. And also we seem to be, I'd say like, we're just, again, we're taking all these kind of systemic issues and turning it into a personal problem. Yeah. One of the, the whole carbon footprint, personal carbon footprint thing being like a, the most glaring recent yeah. example. So I'm, I'm curious to hear more about that. I'm sure that would be a theme through this. And I, I think we probably have like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, roughly. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I, I want to start off. So you said legacy banking. Um, mm-hmm. Is it for just the terms we're going to use in this conversation? Is that how we t- typically talk about fiat currency? Do we use the term traditional banking, old school banking? If anybody doesn't know what fiat currency means, we're talking about paper money, right? Coins and paper yep. have tangibly. So I actually just pulled up the report and I'm reading it from it. So let's see. It says, according to this, that Bitcoin consumes 114 roughly terawatt hours per year, while the banking industry consumes 263 terawatts per year. Now, granted, that could go up um, in over time. You know, right. Bitcoin could go up and. Also, not to mention gold mining, you know, they're talking about the amount of energy that's used to, that goes into gold mining right now is close to 250 wow. kilo, uh, terawatts per year as that's well. So about two, yeah. it's about 240, whereas Bitcoin's closer to, again, 114, according to this report anyway. But, um, you know, there's another part of this, too, that I kind of wanted to, to touch on. And, and also, let's back up one minute. So I think when they talk about banking industry, if you think about not only all of the fiat banking that goes on, and all of the different, like, I don't know, ATMs and, um, you know, br- bank branches. And uh, but also bigger than that is obviously servers and transactions right. o- online and then things like high frequency trading algorithms that have to run through supercomputers. I mean, that's a ton of energy that people don't, yeah. I think, consider when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, and, and then I'll say separately. I really don't. Like it, there's a part of me that as much as I am a fan of crypto and, and Bitcoin and all that to some degree, I'm not like, you know, the biggest fan boy, but I do think there's a lot of, um, you know, value and, and utility to it potentially. I almost, I wish we lived in a society that didn't require this type of solution. Right. Well, uh, okay. So just like straight up cashless society. Well, not, necessarily, not necessarily. All, all <laughs> I mean, all, more, more so what I mean is I wish we didn't like, Part of what blockchain can do is provide transparency and security, right? And and it yes. can help to fight corruption, for example, theoretically. And you know, it, it provides a hedge against uh, currencies that aren't tied to anything, and and therefore, you know, I, I I just wish I wish. Of course, this is not worth really discussing further because it's not the reality. But it's like we can complain about the energy that's used by these systems, but it's I'm on the side of hey, it would be great if we just lived in a in a culture where you know, banks never did anything wrong that we didn't have to worry about transparency and security. We didn't have to worry about the Fed, you know, printing more mm-hmm. money in the last four years than they had in the, in the previous hundred. You know, I wish we could live in that world, but we don't. And so Bitcoin is a technology like so many technologies that evolved from a need in society, you know, from yeah. a de- the development of a need. Yeah. Who, who would have thought the people who are your middlemen between profit motives are only profit motive? Uh, there, there's crazy stats behind the issues that they cause, especially like, and we, this obviously isn't a, um, the subject isn't just to, to trash traditional banking and, and uh, point at, you know, it's disparities with 
classism, um, how somebody who is so broke, you can't swipe your debit card without owing money. And so therefore mm -hmm. you have to owe now a fee and a penalty. I mean, the percentage that banks make on late fees is, is pretty astonishing or on those um, insufficient funds fees. Yeah. Is, Overdrafts. Is, is wild. And then if you're rich, which means you trust us with your money, I'll pay you money so I can invest your money. And it's just like mm -hmm. this financing or this continual financing of money making money off itself, like a total lack of value. People talk about how you right. have to contribute and work in society in order to get your bread, in order mm -hmm. to take a portion of your income and directly pay for somebody else's property. But they don't care about how money just makes money off of money. And like that side of the coin is OK and, and what we get told. But mm -hmm. you you touched on something interesting. So so transparency, um, that's something that I've I've been fired up about recently as an idea with this. Have, have you seen that documentary on Netflix? Trust no one. No, I don't think you're, so. You're probably like beyond this from a, a crypto standpoint, but um, it, it's something that I think the general public is probably watching and um, learning a lot about Bitcoin. And it's this guy who runs a Canadian bank or kind of fronts like a Canadian Bitcoin bank. And suddenly people try to take transactions or get large sums of their money out and they can't. There's a conspiracy about him faking his death. And you know, since he had the keys to the vault, they think, well, we can't get our money back. It's locked behind some mm -hmm. forever thing of crypto, which I want to touch on. But um, they eventually do enough digging and, and maybe we'll need to explain the blockchain better. But <clears throat> they can see every unique identity tied to a transaction and where this money was. And they can see that mm -hmm. he wasn't putting the money into the bank. It was much smaller amounts of money going into the bank each time. Where I think transparency is cool is around something with politicians. And, and that's been yes. a hot topic recently is should politicians be allowed to trade individual stocks should they be allowed to just trade mutual funds should they not trade anything because you know you have somebody say well this war with russian ukraine is so bad it's so terrible there's this is unprovoked mm -hmm. and people want to start a war so then that politician goes and invests 15k or whatever because they're a millionaire uh 15k in some sort of arms manufacturer Right. And it's such an incentive for things that are truly terrible, way worse than just money making money. So when you say transparency, do you mean like I can see every authenticated transaction? Do you mean like politicians yes. would raise funds on a transparent token that we'd all mm -hmm. see? What, what does that mean to you? Yes, transparency means that we can see the source of money and where it goes. So that can be used in many different applications, some of which you touched on, including investments or campaigns, charities, things like that. Because also there's, you know, this whole dark side of charities that a lot of the most well-known charities are actually like, you know, they spend however much percent on administrative costs and only like 5% goes to the actual cause. You know, all, there's all kinds of ways in which I think we could benefit from, I mean, in general, and this is, this is going to be, this is a theme across the board when it comes to blockchain, much like the way the internet was a massive engine for disintermediation, where you know there used to be only so many television stations and so many, um, I mean, we could even go back, I'll, I'll take it a step back. The printing press in some ways, right, was a, was a tool of disintermediation and of, of democratization of information. So, sure, sure. you know, it, it used to be, to be not controlled in it. It's, it wasn't just one person owns the paper. It was now many people can print their thoughts. It right. And before distributed to a lot of people. Okay. Right, right. And so before, before it was like whatever the Catholic church said was law and true, right. It was like true in society or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, pick your poison like, but it was extremely concentrated in terms of 
and uh, information and power. And then you bring in things like the printing press, information becomes somewhat, you know, somewhat disintermediated and somewhat democratized. You bring in, you know, radio, television, internet, the blockchain is the next level of information, de uh, you know, democratization and disintermediation that provides a way to cut out middlemen, whether those are financial middlemen, those are information middlemen, and actually provide people with a greater degree of transparency and trust and, uh, yeah, like a, a source of truth that people can actually look to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's particularly important when you think about our media environment these days where mm -hmm. everybody yells about fake news, no matter who they, you know, mm -hmm. what side of the aisle they're on. Um, and we don't necessarily know where there, there's all these dark, there's dark funds and campaigns. And the point being that, yes, on the blockchain, you know, you can, if I send you money right now, we each have a wallet address and we can go once that transaction is gone through the you know the process the mining and, and has been confirmed we can go onto the internet and look at that transaction and, and see exactly where it came from you know my wallet address where it went your wallet address the amount the date timestamp everything mm -hmm. and i think that that's just a one example of how you know a very valuable application for the so blockchain don't, don't you think and and I've, I've got some really interesting ways to use blockchain i've been learning about but don't you think there's like this weird balance of, okay, I am, uh, you're able to see everything. I can get full transparency. I can see down to the code where money is going, who, which authenticated user it transacted with, or yes. whatever. And also like, yeah, well, oh, Bitcoin's great for anonymity. You want to buy something criminal? You know, you want to, mm -hmm. cannabis is a big use case for people across the nation where it's federally, it's still not legal. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't understand how that has uh, I guess a pun here, two si both sides of the coin. Uh -huh. Well, uh, okay. So in, in truth, Bitcoin's not really great for doing illegal stuff because most wallets you can track, like you can figure out if you, through some, some degree of mm -hmm. digging or forensics where, where they came from. That's true of most cryptos. You know, most of the places that most people get their, uh, have their Bitcoin are in, services that use what are they called um anti-money laundering and know your customer yeah. regulations like a you know aml and kyc mm -hmm. and so that's one thing like what i what if we were to go on the block explorer which is kind of like the you know search engine for the the, the, the transactions you can see the hashed version of the wallet address so you know, you, you, you don't necessarily see like, oh, tra it's associated with Travis or it's associated with Ryan, although you could eventually you'd see like my out. wallet mystery numbers and letters. Right. You see your wallet address. <laughs> OK. And the thing, but the thing is, you like at the end of the day, you have a there's a public key and a private key. It's like two factor authentication. You can think of it in a very basic way. Public key is like an email address. You have no problem giving your email address to somebody. And right. if you if somebody has your email address, doesn't really matter. They don't have the uh, password. They don't, if they right, but but you have the password. That's your private key. So in blockchain, you have public key and private key. Public key is your public address. You can give it out. Whatever it doesn't matter if you literally tattooed it on your forehead. Private key is the part that says anytime there's a transaction with this wallet, in particular, like somebody you know sending money um, out of it, I have signed off on this. And and so, you know, that's that's like a a layer of security that also again it's like transparency and authenticity that can't be faked right unless somebody you know unless you're using a third-party app 
like the, the, it would be so difficult, you know, there's nothing is like a perfect system, but it would be so difficult for somebody to like get me to make a transaction I didn't want to make, you know, they'd have to like hold me at gunpoint and chop mm -hmm. my thumb off and use my touch ID on my phone. That's tied to my Coinbase <laughs> account. Hold your and eyes then, open and get your face ID. Right. Something like that. And that's only because by the way, again, these third party apps like Coinbase or whichever, you know, these, a lot of these wallets, yeah. use you know the biometrics or the passwords that are um you know that, that you could do that with otherwise mm -hmm. if you're doing it if you were truly custodial it would be much harder meaning if you truly controlled your own private keys right and now you know you've the island boys are going to go get their crypto uh wallets tattooed on their forehead or whatever there um, <laughs> so, so i i I'm hearing like the big argument seems to be, you know, there's like this rumor of somebody who puts a million dollars in Bitcoin every single day, right? There's somebody who's like buying just like this mega amount of crypto. Michael Saylor? I don't Is know. Is it a person or it's a company it's, or? I think it's a person. I don't think it's a company. I think it's a person. Okay. I've, I've read about this interview. You're putting massive amounts in there. And like, you're, you're right. How do I know that it's not 95, it's 5% going to something legitimate or 5% to legitimate organization. Mm -hmm. And then the other 95% is money laundering or keeping uh, Nancy Pelosi's skin tight, you know, something like that. Like sure. how do we but know I know that somebody isn't laundering money with it just because I can see the transaction. You still don't know what was on the other end of that. Do you think this is falling into a pit where people are just money laundering or the billionaires I... are the only ones who are going to come out on top with this until it's universal? I think that, again, there's no perfect system that we've invented yet, but I think we yeah. can incrementally improve a lot of our existing systems. And so I would say to people that talk about things like that, I mean, cash and digital and like fiat currency are used to sex traffic and buy drugs and buy weapons illegally and, and corruption and bribery every single day. You know, and yeah. there's no way to track. There's no way to track cash. I mean, it's harder, I'd say, than, than digital transactions and you know, um, people can just create money, fiat money out of thin air. It's a lot harder to do that with something like Bitcoin. In fact, it's not really possible with Bitcoin. So, you know, it's like people want to go, oh, it's but it's not perfect. But OK, I don't know. Yeah, Refri yes. ref refrigerator is like if the power goes out, my food in my refrigerator will die, will, will perish. But it's better than the old icebox <laughs> from like 1880 or what. You know, I don't even know if they, what they had before that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah the car is better than the bicycle for and is better than walking i don't know there's just wow. in, there's levels to everything there, I mean, there's I've a nice heard, bold face lie we'll tackle in, in episode right I, I mean i hate i hate cars but you know <laughs> what i'm saying no i i get you i get you though and um yeah a so lot of it, like we can't stop we we can't necessarily stop those things from happening like just mm -hmm. because there's a new technology is what i'm saying but I we can you. improve our ability to prevent them you're right and that's that's such an old school way of thinking and it, it's like um it's so strange because you you mentioned like gold earlier in the gold yeah. rush, and there's a TV show called Gold and like how are people still mining this and caring about it and we're still using this to back a lot of our currency? I'd say you that not podcast, enough, right? I, I'd say you that podcast, uh, some NPR one on like the history of the U.S. dollar becoming the global currency. Yeah, yeah. Wild that we were just like it was a big party at the end of a war and people were basically yep. just drunk for a bunch of days in a row and yeah. lead economist didn't have like a final say or really get to see things for the US dollar just being written in as, as what's underlying it. And, and you're mm -hmm. right, globally, we'll use the US dollar, we'll transact in the US dollar, and we'll do that for crime. And 
when we think about things like a cashless society, it sounds scary or it sounds restraining. Mm-hmm. You know, what if I have a little kid and I want to send them up the store with a couple bucks to pick something up or get a piece of candy, whatever it is. Well, now I, I don't want to give them my whole crypto wallet to go spend or get kidnapped or something. Mm-hmm. How do you give them just a, a little bit? And I've, I've heard theories where we talk about making heavier money or money that is uh, still distinct or it could be bills or whatever, but we get rid of things like hundred dollar bills because now every criminal transaction, if, if let's say we got rid of a hundred and a 50, you've got to now use five times the amount of bills to make yeah. that transaction. And it's not going to take all the crime out of the world, but we're talking about departments in the government that spend millions of dollars for just tiny increments of fractions of a uh-huh. crime reduction. So if something like a cashless society or getting rid of those bills helps us pick up on five to 10% more of the crime going on, I, I would almost think that crypto is a way to get toward a, a better society, not even with the idealistic stuff, not even about decentralizing or getting off the US dollar, but from a, a pure standpoint of making things like that more challenging. I would, a couple of things. One, when people, just to touch on what we said a minute ago, when people talk about like the, you know, not be, still bringing up the problems that exist in this yeah. society and say, oh, well, Bitcoin doesn't fix that or crypto doesn't fix that. It reminds me of those memes or like when people go, they take pictures of like, the empty shelves in a store in capitalist United States. And they go, this is what socialism does. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, this is the, couldn't be further from you're talking about the current system that you have problems with. But yeah. Well, I can't sem- remember the meme. It's like somebody, whatever the ghost, like yelling at SpongeBob and it's like, are you, are, you're going to have empty like food shortages and job shortages mm-hmm. and major catastrophe. It's like, dude, I've seen all that in the last 10 years. Right. Exactly. Under the current system. So then the other thing I would say is, first of all, I think that, I'd have to double check this, but I think there used to be a $500 bill, but then they got rid of it because of what you're talking about, because it was just being used for all criminal, you know, criminal activity was, it was the, it was the go-to because it was obviously, you know, and I think they did a similar thing with with the Euro. They were going to do a 500 Euro note and then they didn't because crime, but like, again, we're not going to eliminate crime be, you know, in a fell swoop with just by taking away cash. This also gets to, this also gets to, (laughs) to be honest, like I said, I mean, I, I work in crypto. I've been involved in crypto for many years now to some varying degrees. But um, I'm not a huge crypto like fanboy because ultimately what I think would be a better way to solve a lot of the problems that we're talking about would not be to have everything be crypto, not be everything to have a cashless society. But um, it's something called the fair tax, which is effectively just a consumption tax at the point of sale which is a different conversation we can have all together. But, you know, it's kind of like my, I'd say it's my most, I don't want to label it, but people would say it's my most libertarian position, whereas most of my other positions are rather leftist, you know, socialist. But the point being, if you want everybody to pay taxes, including criminals, because by the way, part the reason that they get pissed about people like selling cigarettes or, you know, drugs or whatever, a lot of it has to do with tax evasion. You know, that's like how they get people on, um, hmm racketeering and 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 uh what was it called like bootlegging it's because you're not paying taxes well if you have a fair tax or something like the fair tax which is basically just a flat consumption tax everybody from drug dealers to illegal immigrants to uh criminals of all types to white collar like everybody mm. ends up paying taxes billionaires you can't get around it companies there's no zero there's no company paying zero taxes you know it's like that's a, that's a way to to solve a lot more of these problems corruption by the way because most of the lobbyists there's some shit like, you know, 500 lobbyists for every member of Congress. Most of those lobbyists exist to try to get tax loopholes put through 
for their company that they represent. Well, if you reduce the tax code, which is already such a huge pain in the ass and like, you know, 15,000 pages and all this bullshit that lets people get around taxes and you just reduce it to like five pages and it's a consumption tax, all those lobbyists go away and you basically take the corruption out of the political system. Yeah, but then I won't have people to exploit in a, a negative feedback loop system. Like, <laughs> Right. It's, it makes too much sense, I know. Yeah. Uh, we, that's what all we want to do is set up endless middlemen and, and give people ways to make money off of money and money services. Well, I mean, truly, that's, that's part of why this thing, I mean, I don't want to say it would never happen, but... <sighs> what do you mean? Like, like well, like, for example, there's like such... Usage of it? No, I'm saying, for example, if something like a fair tax would would not happen, and maybe crypto. The reason that, for the same reasons that they'll fight against things like crypto, because there's already such a, and I, I know this is like me memeing myself at this point, but there's already such an industrial complex around all of this shit. Think about the massive number. I think accountant is actually like the most common white collar job in the country, and think about how many people pay accountants to do their taxes for them, right? And how many lawyers, corporate lawyers, are out there yeah. just to, to deal with corporate taxes and all this shit. And if you got rid of that, <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a big, big chunk of our, uh... it, it's like when somebody talks about, you know, it's like we could, we could dream about reducing the budget for the military, but you're talking about what, what that ends up being that if you take it further down the line, if you take it to like, it's uh, you know, ultimate conclusion is yeah. tons of military industrial complex, American jobs going away. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, these are ones about numbers, like just some of the most, the funny numbers too. I, I mean, double made up stuff. I, I looked it up real quick and the Bureau of Labor Statistics mm -hmm. says that there's about 700,000 uh, CPAs and 1.4 mm -hmm. million accountants and auditors in the US. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, and that's a, that's a white collar job. Yeah, right, right. So I mean, you're talking about people that are making at least what, 50, 50K, you know, to probably up to into the millions for some of them. Yeah. Median, median accountant salary has got to be somewhere around 80, 85. I, I don't know. Guessing. For people like that is always just such a hard part of like any suggestion of that you put forth of how to change society. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying fire all the accountants tomorrow and put them out on the street. But as we work on a plan to get there, we're going to need people who are better at like, I don't know, heating and cooling server environments for our renewable crypto energy sources or whatever it is. Sure. Or just, you know, realizing that if you if you wanted to keep i don't know i guess if we were completely eliminating an industry it works differently but one one thing i was thinking of is you know there's no good reason i think anybody who has a job can agree there's no good reason that we all need to work quote unquote 40 hours a week and if you wanted to reduce unemployment and reduce people's working hours you could do those both at the same time because yep. you could have twice as many people doing half the work for this you know yeah i mean i'm i'm a fan of the 5 hour day by 4 days a week um, yep, personally, 100%. but I, I don't know how we need much more than that. Um, Truly, it's, it's I, I I really hope that that's one thing we're able to pull off in our working lifetime. I, I think we're going to get the four day work week, and and probably, I mean, maybe soon we'll see how much it takes to transition. But it's almost like they know this works; they're just trying to trickle, let us do it almost, so that we don't mm. ask for more. I, I I don't know. They started doing it with a, a batch of large companies um, yeah. in Europe. They, what a four day did, work week. Yeah. They did a four day work week as a test trial and the same organization um, has come to the U S now and has companies that are piloting four day work weeks to see mm -hmm. if it's more productive or I, 
I mean, I don't know if it's like you're shaving stuff off the top. That's superfluous work, things we don't do anyway. I'm tired at the end of the day or that we're remote mm -hmm. or if it's like genuinely, no, we've just gotten so much more technology has accelerated our productivity. I, I mean, the amount of applications, that's something you're talking about earlier. How many apps taking up so much bandwidth and how many servers yeah. the applications and tools um, that we've developed the mobile era, like we've gotten more productive every year at an accelerating amount until Right. The 2018s because of the mobile yeah. era distracting us. Like it finally took a curve. It's still more productive, but not at an accelerated rate. Well, also, there's just probably upper limits to, you know, quote unquote productivity. And, right. And, cool. you know, for, for the combination of humans and machines, at a certain point, you're either going to have to embrace fully full automation or embrace that again, like there's only so much work and productivity that can be done by a normal human and a you know even the, even the fastest computers yeah. but i mean I, I just, Elon musk is talking about making computers right or these um what do you call them humanoids hmm. uh fungible humans okay. um he's, he's talking about making these ones that are going to uh, replace like all the things humans don't want to do all the easy jobs all the you know the hamburger yeah. flipping let's provide right. you call it like right. we're going to replace all of that and we've been able to do that for so long i, I, I mean think about Sorry, but yeah, I, I mean, when I think about something like going to CVS, I 100% would rather just use self-checkout, right? Which yeah. then, then deal with the seven seconds of being confronted with the fact that somebody lives their entire life in that store, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're missing human interaction, it probably doesn't need to be as one-sided as if you're a cashier and just well, one by and, one seeing people with tech that we already have and also and also that's barely human interaction would that person would that cvs worker and me be better off having right the free 11, time out with friends right 11 seconds of quote-unquote human interaction where basically we force the human to be a machine anyway by saying i'll take the next person anything right. else for you 11 dollars <laughs> and 10 cents like you know you've we've basically turned people into in machines anyway mm -hmm. or would they be better off just having to work 20 hours a week to be able to support a basic lifestyle and then go to fucking have a picnic with their friends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like more of that's that human time. interaction. Yeah, more right. of that time, but please not more friendship. You're going to strip out the whole pharmaceutical and depression industrial complex too. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing though. That's why I keep, I feel like this is, this is what I harp on. And whenever I hear myself is that because it's all being, it's all this shit that's kind of like being held up by this other shit. I know that's not the most eloquent I've ever been, but the point being, <laughs> yeah, you have you have all of these yeah. systems that have sprung up from a few core reasons, you know, mm -hmm. a few core issues that if we did truly take steps to address, a lot of things would fall apart. And I mean, you kind of saw a degree of that during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Or like a yeah. like a, a hint of that, right? And I don't and, I, and certain things are not going to return. I mean, uh, no, like, I mean, it it's, it's consolidated. It doesn't even matter like what commodity stuff you're going to point out. It's it's like I see it in tech too. There's either there's companies struggling to hire people, struggling to pay people, and companies where everybody's going who have the right benefits. Like it, right. it is pretty decent workers demand right now. Yes, um, especially if you look at international strikes. Now that I'm in Seattle and I I see the movements here. I mean it's it's wild to see with Starbucks, Amazon since we last spoke. Had its I mean I love it. Yeah, it's... I mean. It's, it's our time to be able to ask for these things. And you're right. We got a taste of it, though, in the pandemic. Of demand. The easing of commoditization, the, the demand that we have as people. And well, it feels like some services are shittier now because of it. Like every Chipotle is on fire. Right. Uh, but it, it's. But again, that's, be that's partially because, you know, we've gotten there's this whole uh, 
degree to which nobody even knows how to cook for themselves anymore. And because they've had to spend so much time, you know, going through school or doing work all day, every day or whatever. I mean, the, and like, again, would we be better off? I don't know. I, I'm in favor of more or less fully automating as many jobs as we possibly can. Like, and that's one of those things where I think we're going to, we're going to get there at some point. It's just a matter of just, who, yeah. Who, who do, who's benefiting from that automation? Because right now, mm-hmm. under the current system, it's just going to be, um, you know, the Elon Musk's and the Jeff Bezos of the world, and everybody else is going to be left in the fucking lurch. Right. And, you know, you, a minute ago, you were talking about, oh, pr- productivity has exploded, and, and that's true by whatever metrics they decide on productivity. But, yeah. you know, and, and that hasn't, um, it's very evident where that's gone. The majority of that money has gone to the top 1%. You know, you look at, like they, again, I feel like people don't necessarily connect one and uh, two and two or whatever they put two together. Which is that it's not that like oh, there's all this poverty and this homelessness and this despair and this uh, depression and you know all these problems and healthcare costs and college costs and then also at the same time, completely unrelated, there are certain people making hundreds of billions of dollars now. It's like those are completely directly related. You know, yeah, yeah. There's only so many resources. If I pull from one area to the next, then you leave the other area strapped. So I I think that makes sense. I think we figured that one out hundreds of years ago. Uh, Newton or one of those guys got that one. (laughs) So, so um, bring me back to something that I've, or or something that we kind of like hinted at earlier, Mm -hmm. maybe with um, the, the U S being in power, the billionaires making billions off of this. Like that's one of the biggest skepticisms I hear around Bitcoin too, is that the rich will just get richer off of this, um, mm-hmm. is that they are the ones who already have money in it. And as we throw money into it, they will continue to, to profit. And I mm-hmm. get that in a financing way, you know, maybe it's that they don't profit in where their other parts of their portfolio are, or that we're stripping out other parts of business or automating things in general is the idea. I mean, there's a lot of use cases for blockchain from mm-hmm. solar power to um, uh, voter fraud. To, yes. Uh, there, there's like a lot of ways to use it. And we can tap into some of those if you want, but um, I, they sh- could, could strip away what some systems are out there that people just make money on. So are, are billionaires not just making money off of this? It seemed like it was a issue in the beginning of the war, even when we were blocking or, or trying to make sure that um, foreign actors we considered bad couldn't get access to their money, that they were only able to access things through crypto still. Like, is that a win story or is that like a flaw story? Do you think that there to was me, oversight by the government to be able to strip you and stop you of your decentralized currency too? I'd say so two things. One, as far as is it just the rich getting richer off this? Again, that's one of those situations where it's like, are the rich just getting richer on stocks and on investments already anyway? anyway or less? Yeah. Yes. So so the fact that, uh, you know, the top, what, 10 percent of, of wealth holders have like 90 percent of all stocks. I mean, this is this is a. Uh, not great people you know, there's already a huge rentier kind of class on in in this country and in this society and then you look at the fact that uh you know when it comes to like crypto some something like 70 percent or some massive number of people are like younger and most young people don't have much money and whatever i mean they're again it doesn't I'm solve the problem it doesn't solve the problem in and of itself that there is like so much wealth um concentration but you know it is more open like you don't yeah. need to you don't need to have um you know, a lot of money to invest in crypto and you don't need to have even like a, 
you know, be accredited or anything like that, like what you used to, you know, have to do for certain yeah. stock and bond investments. So there's that element of it. Also, again, like cryptocurrency is just one, one use case for blockchains overall, which can be used to help, again, disintermediate and, and uh, democratize information and transactions of all types, in, you know, data transactions, um, financial transactions. There's, there's many different ways that this can be used. I mean, there, there are people in the Philippines that making literally like more money than they would have ever made in, you know, normal, like working at KFC or working at their farm or whatever by gaming with, you know, uh, gaming with blockchain. Like there are so many different ways that I think it's more open and more democratized in the current set system. And so, I don't know, that's going to be a process that, yeah. to, to, to help contribute to that. Again, there's no like, silver bullet to, to, to solving wealth inequality. Um, what was the second point, the second part of your question? Can you remind me? Uh, I went off on a tangent there. Um, Richard Riching anyway, I, I mean, Russia and bad actors will the government okay. be able yes. to like, thank you. Take yes. So in general, um, in general, I think it's better. This is just my opinion, but I mean, I think it's based on, uh, sound logic that, um, in general, I think it's better for there to be less censorship, whether that's censorship of information, censorship of transactions. And for people that think that in the short term, they would like to see certain people or certain groups either, you know, censored, whether that's get, kicking Donald Trump off of Twitter or 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 uh, freezing the bank accounts of mm -hmm. the uh, truckers in Canada or shutting down the crypto wallets of people in Russia or whatever, like any situation like that, I think you always have to look at it from a principle. Like, the, the, does this principle work out at a scale, at scale? Like, do you like this idea? Maybe you like it right now because you like that you don't like Trump or you don't like Russia or you don't like the truckers, for example. Mm -hmm. but, but the fact that that's able to happen, I think is bad. And it wouldn't be the kind of thing that you would like to see happen to somebody that you like or to yourself, right? Like if you are, you wouldn't want to see Black Lives Matter, if you support Black Lives Matter, get censored the same way, or you wouldn't want to see, you know, these organizers for Amazon and Starbucks and whoever else, you wouldn't want to see them have their bank accounts frozen, right? right? So, so you have to always think of it in those terms and, and be very, very fair. I mean, I think it was Noam Chomsky that said, uh, you know, believing in free speech only applies if you'll defend the rights of people that say things you don't like, basically. And it's nice. kind of a, yeah, yeah, that's a good quote by him. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's how I feel about that. I mean, I, I think it's it's evident yeah. that we, we'd be better off. That, and this that's is a, fair. Yeah, you're, you're right. We tend to like look at a lot of these things and it's easy to put it under a microscope and say, well, that's not perfect. And forget that what we're working in right now is not necessarily perfect either. So. Right. Um, so, so I, I, we've talked about a couple of use cases and so I almost like want to get, I just want to say one, I just want to say one more thing quickly about this. Yeah. It, uh, related to the censorship thing at its, at its core, it is completely immutable and uncensorable to, like Bitcoin, for example, right? Like if you own your own Bitcoin wallet, public key and private key, and you want to send money or you need to send money or you need whatever you want to do, you want to donate to a campaign. You, nobody can stop you from doing that. And that's the mm -hmm. beautiful thing. If you ask me, that's one of the beautiful things about it is that it's truly complete. It's outside the realm of censorship. No, that's, it, that's fair. And that's, and, and I'll get into my other point on blockchain in a second, I guess. I, I mean, that, that's fair because 
another thing I loved about it initially was these altcoins. And I, I think mm -hmm. we should spend just a little bit of time talking about altcoins and, and whatever. So, so one, I initially bought all my crypto through Robinhood. Mm -hmm. I think that's the app that made it like super easy for people. But the issue was that you don't really own the crypto right. at that time. And it's also that they didn't have every coin available, I believe. So if you found something that supports puppies or mm -hmm. um, a coin that somehow supports water in Africa, um, you might not be able to find that if that's the coin you want. So can you talk to me about like, what is the, how realistic is it? A bunch of us pool our money together into water for Africa coin and mm -hmm. then Africa gets water. Okay. Well, I have started I to believe, I've started to believe recently, and there are some people that are called kind of Bitcoin maximalists that make this argument, which is that this is a maximalist is what you called them. Yeah. Bitcoin okay. maximalists okay. basically thinking that Bitcoin, that ultimately all of these other currencies, by the way, coin market cap has about 98, 99 pages, each page, a hundred deep of coins. So there's something like 10,000 coins, yeah. the overwhelming majority of which are probably memes or jokes or companies yeah. that will go under or they're, you know, like there's really only so many that are even borderline legitimate. So okay. what, all of these fall into Bitcoin. Basically that even, but yeah, so that's, that's just my general statement period is that most of those are not worth even considering. You can't trade them anywhere. You can't buy them anywhere, nor would you want to. It doesn't like all that shit, but also, the maximalists would say, and you know, I might not be the most pure maximalist, and I hope I'm not misrepresenting them, but basically that all these other networks will basically end up at the end of the day just trading using Bitcoin. And, and so there's a whole, I, I don't even want to go down that path, but what I'm kind of saying is that if we wanted to, let's take the coin part out of it. If we wanted to like have water for Africa, then we could just donate to a Bitcoin wallet that would be controlled by water for africa oh, charity gotcha. you know okay. and so that, you think that's a more like solid route or the route that we'll at least see in the future versus right well because specific coin it's like because bitcoin is primarily for financial transactions whereas something like ethereum is more for data transactions like aka apps that's what apps do is they transact data right um mm -hmm. but basically and so a lot of these smart contract platforms they transact data so, uh, solana tezos etc but the point being that Bitcoin is like the is like a money, you know, in, in theory, um, that having something like water for Africa coin doesn't really I don't I am not seeing the value proposition that supersedes that of something like Bitcoin. So Bitcoin with a wallet for Africa. Right. You should just have a Bitcoin wallet for water for Africa. Mm -hmm. And and that's like part of the appeal of Bitcoin that I don't think people understand is that not only is it truly like check every box of what makes a good currency in terms of it's portable it's fungible it's uh divisible it's you know all these all these durable etc but it can't be created out of thin air the same way that fiat can and therefore devalued i mean look if we were gonna if we were donating to i think zimbabwe is the most famous example of inflation but um, if we were donating, you know, to Water for Africa in Zimbabwe, I forget what the currency was called, dollars, let's call it Zimbabwe dollars. And then, you know, we were like, wow, we got 100 million Zimbabwe dollars worth of uh, Bitcoin for, you know, Water for Africa, I should say. And then the next week, it's worth 10 cents. Does that matter? I don't think so. Whereas, you know, if you if you donate the Bitcoin, it's it's going to hold its value. 
more I, than a fee, a, any fee. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting idea. And like with the U.S. dollar being at the center of trade, you can see what it's done for our stability. Or, or yes, kind of. And but but again, at the expense, the same way we talked about the billionaires and everybody else being in despair, that most of our wealth whether we like to admit it or not, has happened at the expense of the rest of the world through the petrodollar system, which they touched on. I mean, they didn't really touch on it in that podcast, but they, I, I mean, they kind of hinted at it. What which was is, this? This is the petrodollar system? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I'm so, I'm so glad you asked. So ba <laughs> basically, bo on your show. <laughs> bottom line, yeah, bottom line of this, the very quick and dirty version is that um, the U.S. pretty much, so the petrodollar system basically mandates that everybody needs to buy oil petrol in dollars so u.s dollars are the currency that people need to yeah. trans internationally countries need to transact in u.s dollars to buy oil well that means because oil is so key to every single thing that happens in the economy like worldwide right yeah, like yeah. Pla plastics steel transportation everything food um that every country always has a demand for dollars which means that we can always export dollars to get goods and services. So that's why we all have like, that's why we have the quality of life that we enjoy is because there is a constant need for dollars globally. And so we can just afford to debase our currency and send tons of dollars out and get things back. We basically just get something for nothing. And that's also why the exchange rate is so favorable when you go to other countries because other countries need dollars. Okay. But, and also, by the way, side note is, uh, the last time that people decided they were going to not sell oil in dollars, denominate oil in dollars, were Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi. Wow, yep. Saddam Hussein said he was going to do it in euros, and Gaddafi said he was going to do it in gold, and that's why we killed them do, both. Do you, think, do you think that we'll see something similar happen with Russia now? It's, happen it's, it's, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. Are, Every they, to, are they only selling to China? And, or, I don't know. Yes, yes. So rub rubles and and yuan, they're they are they're transacting, like this is this is a way bigger deal than most people realize. But basically, other countries have been so oppressed by the petrodollar system for for decades, if you know for yeah decades, yeah. that they've been looking for a way to get around it. But again, the last two times that people said they were going to do it, we invaded their country and killed their leaders. So uh, under I'm, the pretense yeah. of some other bullshit, right? Yeah. And so now. Um, part of the reason that this whole Russia situation is going on is that Russia doesn't want to be part of this system that is bad for, again, virtually everybody but us. Um, and they are now interacting directly with China, selling, um, denominating their oil in Chinese yuan. Yep. See, and it's, it's like, I mean, we're, it's not like we're Russian sympathizers or something. Okay. I don't think no. We're. Ukrainian sympathizer. I don't think we're sympathizers. With I mean, I'm a sympathizer for Russian people and Ukrainian sure, people, exactly. but not for like, for people, I'm not right? like a, I'm not like a Putin fan, but yeah. yeah like for, for anybody who, who's taking the working the, class, the lack of yeah. diplomacy, exactly. Like they're the ones who are losing, of course, right. we're, we're sympathizers for them. But yes. um, I, in a way, I understand the want to escape U.S. hegemony. The want Yes, to, exactly. Um, like, well, if I mean, people who are in this country are like these staunch free market supporters they should be all about this as well um so I, I i get that but it's pretty interesting to see how it's it's playing out between russia and china and you're right it's integral to everything you don't think about it if i said when's the last time the lights went off on you know you've been to a couple countries the last while that might not have as robust of a grid as 
the US, right. if I can even call it robust. But like <laughs> people remember that here. They'll, they'll remember, oh yeah, the lights went out this time. It was either this right. hurricane or this power outage in New York. And people get pissed in a first world country. Um, right. I, I know we don't call things first and third world anymore, but just for the ease of, of, of talking yeah, about it, I mean, I we, do. Are so, we, are, we are so privileged. Cancel me. <laughs> cancel him. Get rid of this guy. He doesn't understand it. This is my, this is my fifth cancellation. UN. <laughs> some some book that Bill Gates recommends is um, I can't remember what it's what it's called right now, but it's about how the world isn't it's factfulness. That's what it's called, factfulness. It's about how the world isn't so bad right now, and he tries to paint this picture of how uh, there's not just developing nations and developed nations, but there's four, and they live across these tiers. And like, isn't that so great? How many people are middle class? And it's like. You are so far off the base. Like, how many people are still sleeping on dirt or sleeping Concrete. in yeah. terrible? Ca- like, it is still so bad to. It's disgusting to call those bottom tiers, a, uh, to separate them and spread them out, and, and then try and act like the U.S. is just like a little notch above that. Right. Um, it, it's it's much worse. Yeah, I mean, people, and and by the way, it won't get any better until we have worker workers have more direct control right over their yes workplace and and over their finances and over and so ultimately that's one thing that i do think that crypto provides the possibility for and uh you know it's part of the reason that i i am in support of its its adoption and its utilization yeah and you know if any you know tech bros hear this and they want to start some sort of privileged tech union let me know but I, i'm sure there's a few different ways to get to that that we could we could go through i'm curious because because now we're talking about somebody's gonna do that i mean i'd like to be a part of that i've already started it at my company oh no way okay well and i and i do want to before we get off this call like talk about what you're doing for work right now and, and give you a chance mm-hmm. to shout out your other youtube videos and other work in this okay. what you're actually doing but one thing i want to get out of this too real quick is um around and maybe we'll define blockchain in here a little bit, but I'm curious about value. So we're talking about uh, mm-hmm. petroleum, petrodollar. We're talking about yep. the old systems that are post World War II that set us up at the center stage. Things that people imply a peaceful Pax America. Um, yeah. Pax Americana. Yeah. 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 I, I want to go back. Sorry, I forgot that you're like you're Puerto Rican now. Um, I, I want to go back to. Um, ethereum's value because we mentioned ethereum yeah. being able to transact data and so the mm-hmm. issue is uh, you you mentioned these things why gold was good or why fiat currency is good okay it's divisible i can break it up into smaller pieces mm-hmm. um it's transactable it can be agreed upon whatever um but gold also provides this value uh, along with other rare metals yes like terrible value of it's pretty and flexible and we can shape it to be different things but also it conducts electricity and okay. heat and, and heat, heat. And it right. conducts heat. So, okay, these are great like things of actual value that the whole world can use. That's why it's easy to come together and make it a global standard. For Ethereum, I- I'm yeah. curious, why are banks now starting to see that Ethereum is actually producing value since it's what everybody transacts on? Or like, how is it creating value out of thin air, out of ones and zeros? How do we agree that this has something of value similar to how we saw precious metals have a, a value? So let me just touch on what, what makes for uh, good money. Um, portable, divisible, fungible, durable, and limited supply. Portable meaning you can carry it around. Divisible meaning you can break it into pieces. Fungible meaning one piece is the same as the next piece. Durable, obviously, it you know can withstand certain things and then limited supply. Um, Bitcoin does all those things. And then it does transparency, you know, immediacy, security, and immutability. When it comes to Ethereum, 
like ethereum is not it's not so much a uh a money although it does a lot of those same things i just touched on it's um but it's it's more it's a token it's really a token that allows you to participate in a network ethereum is a network it's a global distributed computer block you asked about blockchain definitions a minute ago blockchains are just databases that's really all they are but they are different from most databases we know because they are distributed public databases yeah, instead exactly. of it's inst instead of private databases that are held at one location or you know in, in, by one uh party let's say right because most databases are now distributed across like multiple server centers and in the cloud and all that but the point being they're controlled by like facebook or they're controlled by bank of america whereas blockchains can be public or private and most you know the ones the most famous one being bitcoin which is totally public and distributed and uh again it's just a database so mm -hmm. as far as ethereum all that it does if ether allows you to participate in the ethereum network which is a globally distributed computer which allows you to write and execute um distributed software applications okay so it's it's like uh <laughs> it's like a it's like a token that you can it's put a into valuable, it's a valuable zuck buck or whatever they're making. Yeah, for kind of. I'm trying to think of like, you know, you put in, um, you know, it's like a poker chip almost. I mean, that's not a great example, but you, you know, you go in, you, you only use the poker chips within that environment, right? They're useful within that environment. Um, or like you think about, you go to uh, Chuck E. Cheese and mm -hmm. you get like, you know, the tickets or you get like the coins that, you know, you can buy. You can't put normal dollars into like, the dance dance revolution machine at Dave and Buster's, but you can put their token, you can put their tokens in. Yeah, yeah. Right. right uh, again, th these are not, none of these are a perfect analogy, but effectively it is a token. It's a current, in a sense, it's a currency. It's not a money. It's a currency because it's a currency of a, of a network, right? It's the currency of the land um, that allows you to participate and to run these programs or to, um, you know, transact on these networks that are tied to the, the Ethereum global network gotcha okay so it's if we all agree that this is the chuck e cheese then right this is and, and the thing is there's enough mm, there's enough evidence now that that it is valuable because people are writing applications that they're running on ethereum and it is valuable to have an application that again is disintermediated a, a good example of this like one of the most easy examples for people to to grasp is i mean personally it actually affects me personally right now, but it could affect tons of people. Um, let's say that like, okay, so there's the court, there's the, basically my, my, you know, my grandfather died a couple, five years ago now, six, five years ago. Yeah. Five, five whole years ago, my grandfather died. And I was, uh, because my dad is dead, I was supposed to get some amount of you know, uh, money from that. I mean, really nothing barely. It's a true pittance. But the point is, I was supposed to get that five years ago. He died. I still haven't seen it. And part of the reason for that is because there's all these other things that have to happen in terms of, oh, you know, there's the executor of the will and it has to go through court probate and we have to sell this house. We have to sell these where you could set up a will on Ethereum. You could literally have Ooh, like a wallet, okay. a Bitcoin wallet or your Ethereum wallet tied to you know, again, that you totally control that no third party mm. needs to approve of or anything. There doesn't need to be a lawyer, an accountant, a court system, whatever. And you can say you can write a smart contract that says like, hey, this is as just as an example that I literally came up with off the top of my head. But it's like, hey, unless I, you know, log in 
to this system, uh, let's say every month, you know, yeah. meaning I'm meaning I'm alive, you know, re re reaffirming that I am alive, um, automatically send this amount this to wallet. the to these wallets, these six wallets or whatever, and that's oh, it. Okay. That, Immediate. That's interesting. Is that the difference no, between a hot and a cold wallet or anything, by the way? No, but I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. But okay. you see how that's an immediate. Yeah, like, yeah. You have complete control over your own finances. Well, <laughs> now you've, un you've unemployed my underwriters. You've unemployed my like yes. bank hassle people that make the phone calls and check. Like, right. Just like every other technology unemploys people, by the way, for, for all of history. Every technology unemploys people. It also tends to create jobs. But in, in the aggregate, you're generally... Right unemploying more people you know at every stage like so evil damn sewing machine that started all this right i mean that's part of it um <laughs> okay. and uh, as far as hot and cold wallet the difference between a hot wallet and a cold wallet is a hot wallet is attached to the internet and a cold wallet is where you literally take your crypto put it on a device like a usb that's not even touching the internet until you need yeah. it so that no yeah. that nobody can possibly you know that's not I mean, I, that that's got to make people feel safe if, if they can make it this far into the podcast. Yeah. I mean, the ability mm -hmm. to have it set off aside and like your own little private data center almost uh, pretty much great. I, I get so like um, so I guess while we're talking about dead relatives. So so if I if the password dies with me, mm -hmm. I never set up a smart contract. I think is what you yep, call it. that's right. Smart contract. I never set that up or anything. Now what? This is just in the Bitcoin economy. This is just like in there forever there's no way to ever get this back yeah i mean there's basically password. you lose your little necklace that has the password written around whatever there's, it is. Like, I there's a recovery phrase usually just like uh, i don't know certain 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 google authentication or you know certain other software uh certain made, other it, made in last name of your mother or whatever it is like thing best kind friend. of kind of like that but it's a little bit more complex it's a little bit harder than just like you know a one word it's usually like a 10 or 12 word um recovery password but um, yeah, there are, there are ways to recover it, but you would still need, like, you could theoretically see a situation where I'm again, just spinning this up off the top of my head, but let's say that I have like a hundred Bitcoin, um, in my private wallet or even one, whatever. I just have some money in my private wallet. Um, and I put, you know, I put it in cold storage, but nobody else has the password, but I put the passphrase, which is the recovery passphrase, like in a safety deposit box or give it to my, you know daughter or whatever like there's there are ways to recover in the case that some something like that happens but you would have to take certain steps yeah you'd have to like really you'd have to plan for that hmm. okay interesting so 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 if you're gonna you know i mean there is some level of responsibility you know and, and yeah yeah well like any banking though right like if some of them have minimum requirements i, I you'll be able to get the funds you'll be able to get them out of there it's mm -hmm. yeah pretty wild okay um, yeah, but like, but if you just happen to, yes, I mean, unfortunately, like, if you just happen to, I don't know, have some crazy thing happen, and you got all this money, and then you get die in a car accident on the way home. Yeah, it's pretty much gone. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, it's just weird to me, because like, eventually, people will continue to forget these things, people will continue to not know what they what their passwords were. And they'll have small amounts, you know, a million people probably set up crypto accounts. When when was that last big boom, like 2018 before last year? Before last year, the big one was um, end of 2017, beginning yeah. of 2018. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm a, I'm a laggard with this technology, clearly, um, based on the questions. But so, so 2017, 2018, a, a million people set up wallets and they put like 20 bucks in there, 100 bucks in there. I'm like, yeah, just float and one day I'll be a millionaire or whatever. And maybe they've 
forgotten their passwords or lost the thing now and it's like yep sorry charges to the game that's yeah but but the majority of those people that we're talking about are almost definitely using a centralized third party like like coinbase or robin hood or something so there are ways to get that back a lot easier than if you were you know what's called custodial like if you were holding onto your own private keys so basically this is basically what happens when you it in a nutshell and this uh, you know you can audio soundbite this when you when you create a account on Coinbase and you have your Bitcoin wallet, they cre- you they spin up the Bitcoin wallet for you and that's on the Bitcoin network, but they control your private keys, which you access through your password to Coinbase and through like your fingerprint or whatever two factor authentication you use. That's how you authenticate and then, you know, enable your, the use of your private key. You don't hold your private keys. You don't have them on on any that, of these custodial systems. Idea. Because it, it makes you think who's the custodian for these um these other use cases so in brooklyn i think it's in brooklyn maybe it, i'm thinking of a different area but that's where they did the solar power one and they mm-hmm. um are using blockchain which like you said is basically a database to see yep. who has solar power and yep. who doesn't um mm-hmm. and it's a transparent immutable secure database <laughs> right like that's all this it so it's telling you like you might not know much about this person who's at whatever address but you're submitting your my solar power into this chain and so whoever is telling me without me knowing who they are, their private data, whatever, that they need the solar power, that blockchain is going to distribute the energy that I have that's extra to them, which is a huge use case, I think, for what we're going to see as we revamp our entire power grid. I I mean, I hope somewhere in the infrastructure bill or somewhere in the next 10 to 20 years, just based on how much energy we use, we're going to need to dig up everything and relay down an entire centralized network. The windy places will have to share energy with the not so windy, the sunny places with the not so sunny. Mm -hmm. And I don't see any other way to keep track of that like a giant uh, a server, a giant network that you have to pay to play in. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you don't need to pay to play. You can get paid to play as well. Sure, sure. But, right. but, yeah, but no, again, doing that with environmental incentives right now. The, the, the petrodollar that we talked about a minute ago is another part of the huge reason that the U.S. is so resistant to actually embracing renewable technology because... Mm-hmm without the demand without the same level of demand for oil you know yeah would yeah. would other countries need the dollar as much no so no absolutely not like somehow it became the centerpiece of advancing society so um we'll, right. we'll see about that all right we could probably do a whole spin off on that but all right, i i know it's somewhat late for you i want to do rapid fire questions here so you, awesome. you said you said coinbase what mm-hmm. other apps or wallets like how do i do this i don't think we've got time to set up and walk me through how to set one up but like sure what are your recommendations what's the kit i need to download or, or get familiar with my i i unfortunately have a coinbase account just because of uh that's i've had it from years ago i mostly yeah, I use- too, you told me to download it after i put everything in Robinhood. <laughs> i'd say <laughs> i mean i'd say coinbase is better than Robinhood to be honest but i i use voyager Okay. Voyager, um, I pay basically no fees. It's like the, you know, kind of like the Robin Hood of uh, crypto in that way. So Coinbase charges exorbitant fees, um, whereas no. Voyager does not. Um, so I like Voyager. I also like the interface better, to be honest. I like the. Okay. And you're just doing this on your phone, or is there like a way yeah. you like to log in with? It has. I, I do it on my phone. And yeah, I mean, I, uh, I just. I like the the interface, like I said, and, and it's like, uh, you know, lower fees. So that's, that's what I, that's what I'm interested in when it comes to this kind of stuff. What I would, what I would recommend and like what I'm going to try to do, I haven't really 
I should probably do this sometime soon, but like every few months or maybe every six months um, to just move my crypto off of my custodial wallets, things like Voyager and, um, you know, Coinbase and move a crypto off into cold storage onto like a, a cold wallet, like a, uh, what's it called? A Trezor or a, uh, uh, there's another, there's a couple others that are like, Is again, they're cold like wallet apps. Trezor. Yeah, no, they're, they're hardware. They're like hardware. a, they're like a, usb secured yeah. usb i've right. seen, i've seen things like that like i've literally mm -hmm. seen necklaces that was no joke earlier about mm -hmm. people like it's so funny to me because it's like a message in a bottle the, the way that they wear around their neck so, the usb that they plug in so that's holding so on. travis if you actually paid attention to my first bitcoin video four or five years ago you'd know that i said that the uh the cold storage is kind of like your bank vault the hot wallet is kind of like your checking account all right. And or like I'd say the, the uh, what's it called? The exchange is kind of like your checking account. And then your like, you know, your wallet um, is like your cash or something. But wow, Ryan, yeah. what a great summary. I'm, I'm going uh, <laughs> to nail the quiz here. Uh, <laughs> what, what's Gemini? Have you heard of Gemini? Is that one for like yeah. tracking news or just seeing exchange rates? I use Gemini also. Uh, but yeah, Gemini is just another exchange, just like Coinbase. It's oh. it's good. It's there is it's Gemini because Gemini is the twins and it's owned by the Winklevoss twins. Gotcha. Okay. How how should people set up like alerts so that you know good coins to buy or if you are trying to do like quick transactions and make money off this, like when to sell, or if some yeah. sort of crazy war starts out and it's like everybody should put crypto in a different place. Like how, how do you stay abreast of knowledge? I subscribe to your YouTube channel and read the paper you work for, or huh. uh <laughs> I so to be honest, and this is one of the the very first thing I tell everybody if they're going to get involved in crypto is that you have to be willing to lose everything that you put in, just like any other investment, to be honest. But, you know, you just second is subscribe to my channel. No, the second is the <laughs> second is you have to be willing to endure, you know, crazy, crazy volat vol volatility. Yeah. And so to be honest with you, very early on, you know, five years ago or so now, I realized that. I did not want to be one of these people and you'll see these people, whether it's the stock market or um, crypto in particular, who are just tied to looking at the price all the time. You know, they're right. always checking the price. They're like, oh, Tesla's down 3%. You know, <sighs> Apple's up 2%. Yeah, Bitcoin's falling in and out of love with that lifestyle. Yeah. I absolutely hate it and I don't want to do that. And so I'm not the one to ask about crypto trading uh, advice because okay. I don't trade. I literally okay. just, I just, I, I honestly have a very conservative strategy when it comes to investing in general. And it's not even because I am not risk tolerant. I'm very risk tolerant. It's more because I don't want to think about it. Yeah, you're a fun, risky guy. I'm a very um, risky, <laughs> very risk tolerant guy, but I just don't want to concern yeah, myself. Yeah. I don't want to be thinking about it ever. So all I do is I just buy uh, every week, This no matter what the price is. Yeah. It's called you know dollar cost averaging. Yep, absolutely. And that, that's one of my smartest and most like prolific friends with crypto. That's what he does too. It's like every paycheck, it's 500 bucks toward crypto right. in some form. And, and, you know, people that are really averse to it, that hear something like that, you hear that advice and you're like, oh God, like, never mind, I'm not getting in this. The that's how I invest in stocks too, personally. It, well, exactly. But the market you already trade in, in those stocks uh, could be imaginary and poof, go away. You see the, the popular opinion of that every time that we all freak out and take money out of the stock market and the funny numbers start to crash. So mm -hmm. 30, you hear 30% volatility or don't put anything that you're not willing to lose. Um, you know, it, it, it's totally true. But if you just think of like, if you are putting 500 bucks a paycheck or something toward a 401k, maybe yep. you put just 
you know, 400 bucks and put a hundred toward this for a little while, I think is a good way to get comfortable with it and understand what those 30% dips and rises mean. Um, it is pretty wild if you're not used to trading to, to keep on that stuff. And I get where people get addicted. And suck it, it's and only a loss if you sell, like, it doesn't matter if, you know, <laughs> I with the ship, <laughs> if it does, I mean, if it, if it goes down 70% and then it goes back up to above where you bought it, eventually it doesn't matter. It's like a house, maybe, you yeah. know, it's like, it doesn't matter what the value of the house is, as long as you're not planning to sell it, you know, theoretically. And in the long term, generally, you know, real estate does go up. So I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah. per, so again, I'm not the one to ask about trading. I just think, you know, save yourself the headache and just automate it. Like you said, put a little bit in every, every uh, check or whatever right. I do. There, there's no need not to at this point. I mean, it's so accepted. Like you're not really on the forefront or that avant-garde for doing it right now. I mean, I, I had my tenant uh, ask me if I would accept Bitcoin as payment for rent. Like that is how commonplace right. we're talking now. It, it's, Did you say yes? It's ATMs. I told him that once I got my feet figured out out here that I definitely consider taking a portion of it. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to. I think that's too sweet to pass up. Yeah. <laughs> not not a large it, portion of it, but. You should take it now because it's down. I mean, well, it's down, right? Yeah. <laughs> take it now. Not I mean, really advising you, you know, on, I would, trade, but... I would be very surprised. Again, I'm not like the biggest fanboy. I'm not a maximalist, but in general, again, you look at the long-term trend, you look at, uh, you know, a long enough timeline, mm -hmm. you draw that, you draw that line of best fit from literally the beginning through, through now. Yeah. I would be very surprised if Bitcoin did not continue to appreciate for years to come. I, I totally believe. It. I mean, my buddy always, his phrase is like, every time he gets tempted to sell, he's like, man. I don't know. You never know. It's going to go up to 100K though on me. Like in the next I, I, I learned the hard way. I, so many people I know did. I mean, I sold, I got, I bought in roughly between, you know, 1500 and 5K wow. way back when. But I also <laughs> sold, but I also sold a lot of it between 18, 18 and 12. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that, that's that peak, right? That's like that, right. that's like 2017, 2018 number. I mean, if, and truly, you know, if you can, if you can make six X or five X, like I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but it, it is going to get very painful when I start, if Bitcoin goes to a hundred, 200, you know, $500,000 and I sold some of it for 12, it's going to be pretty upsetting. Yeah. Right. Of, of course. And Avoid selling if you ever can. I yeah, mean, if you're, 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 your tenant that wants to pay in Bitcoin, I mean, if I were their personal financial advisor or their friend, I would tell them not, not to do that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to be a nice guy. Listen, landlords are absolute parasites and scum. So like I'm trying <laughs> not to take advantage of them. But I much. mean, if he's offering, then fuck yeah. Like yeah, maybe he's trying to launder. You know, maybe he knows something you don't. Maybe he, maybe he's Satoshi. He knows Ooh. it's all, you know, it's all um, CIA. It's all. Yeah, looking... I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, say his last name over this or anything, but he could totally be a spy. Uh, <laughs> he could be a Nakamoto. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty funny idea. Okay, so some more rapid questions for you. So you've talked, you've we've alluded to what you do for work now. Um, yes. What are you doing? What do they do? Are you like sure. feeling fulfilled being attached to it in this way? Is it they're like sensible? Uh, I think that it's not like my ultimate dream but as far like i know and i'm working on my i'm working on the things that i really 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 want to do but you know for most people that need to have a job i mean it's a really good situation for me oh and, yeah listen people are getting remote jobs people are doing the workcation like you are I, I mean that stuff's awesome that it has those benefits that come with it but yeah um, and also subject matter and, and what even even without that yeah even without that like i very much uh am interested in this in this industry 
and and I am I'm glad that I'm in the situation I'm in. I'm also very happy with the role that I'm in because I also made like a lateral move kind of to, to get to here. So all that being said, you know, I'm uh, I'm the lead digital product manager at CoinDesk. And um, that basically for anyone that doesn't know or doesn't work in tech, you know, I basically help to develop the strategy, product strategy, uh, product design, user interface design, and then actually help to set up the requirements with all the stakeholders and like to create the products that go on the CoinDesk website and any any applications that we want to build, any features we want to build, you know, every company that you know in tech, whether it's Google, Apple, uh, Netflix, et cetera, they all have product managers right. who do similar things. So that's what I do um, I, I, at CoinDesk. And CoinDesk is basically the, you know, leading, and I would say this about it before I worked there, but it's like the preeminent news website for everything related right. to blockchain and crypto. And they have legitimate journalists working there who crank out content you know, editorial pieces and video more, more and like global news stories. And yeah, it's real news. It's than, it's than like New York stock exchange newspaper, you know? Yeah, it's, it's actually exactly. It's edit. It's got an editorial department. It's got a multimedia department. It's more talking about the actual waves of uh, activity and the developments and the news and the uh, policies that are going on, you know, the, the regulations and trends and all that kind of stuff. than it is talking just about strictly the, a, you know, rise and fall of Bitcoin's dollar value. Right. Okay. But they also report on that as well. I mean, it's it's I'm just a new uh, it's a new resource. It's it's like ESPN.com. But do you have a, a section for the funnies? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are the price pages, honestly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I like that. I'm sure if you want crypto uh, memes, you can just look to the internet for that. Okay. And so last last question, give the folks at home some some homework, something to do from here. Now they're oh, uh, crypto experts. What like you you made a YouTube channel a while ago and I, I don't mm -hmm. know if it was this one, get me off this rock. If it was something else is where these are stored, but mm -hmm. where can we go to get more crypto basics? Is that stuff even relevant today still or has there been like a lot some of it of i'd say i mean look i i try to be fair again like i've mentioned a couple of times i'm not like a big crypto bro fanboy i would say that despite the fact that i work in it and believe in it i would say that as much as i am glad i made those videos and i would say that uh especially the first one that kind of talks about the basics of bitcoin and okay. and blockchains like that still has a lot of relevance and you can still learn from that and i think it's a you know it's, it's a good resource in general, there are plenty of resources that are better than my videos to find out stuff about this. I mean, CoinDesk is one. CoinDesk has, you know, again, videos, articles, feature stories, interviews, all that kind of stuff about all this whole industry. So that's one place I would, I would, I would, I would direct people to CoinDesk, even if I didn't work at CoinDesk, to be honest, because I don't have any like, you know, I don't get paid based on how many people see the site. <laughs> yeah, you're not um, a sales guy. Also, also, my YouTube channel is more going to be dedicated to um, documenting my journey to become a professional tennis player anyway. So, you, oh, know, there you, go. So you there can you follow go. that if you want. If you're interested in that instead, if you want yeah. to. Uh, um, there's also some like nice uh, ASMR videos in there if you're having trouble you. going to sleep or if you're not having um, <laughs> self-confidence. There is at least one ASMR video. Yes, exactly. Basic human rights ASMR. Um, <laughs> I forgot but, the name. So good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, man, there are there are tons of, of great resources on yeah. online. There's also a lot of bullshit, which is why I would direct people to something like CoinDesk, because there are so many videos you'll see pop up. I see pop up on my YouTube all the time, you know, where they're trying to recommend new stuff to you that are about um, that are just like people trying to shill their coin and trying to get you into their pyramid scheme or 
yeah, know, exactly. whatever, like or just like, like don't, sign up for my masterclass. I'll tell you or what don't, blockchain is, but right. Or they don't even know what the hell they're talking about, but they're just, so I would just go to reputable sources, just like you wouldn't want to, you know, read news about global politics from some random blog, probably. Um, and you'd, you'd go to like the, you know, the Bloomberg or to wall street journal or, uh, Washington post for better or for worse, you know, whatever. That's, that's what I'd recommend. So something like CoinDesk is a great resource. Um, some good YouTube channels are out there. I can't really, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of any. But then again, I'm not really looking into this stuff anymore because I'm surrounded by it all the time and I'm pretty well versed on it. But it's worth, I'd say like it's worth doing your homework because for one, it's just an incredibly interesting technology that's basically the next layer and next level of the internet. And I would yeah, I say the internet. I don't think that either. The Web3, why we started calling this Web3. It's like the same. It's like, I don't even understand why we started distinguishing clouds. It's just somebody else's data center. You know, no, I, mean, I, I can tell you the distinction. Web1, Web1, early, very first iteration of the, you know, publicly accessible web was just basic websites provided by companies, right? More or less, like, or individuals. So you can go, you can navigate to a site, you can look around. That's basically it. Web two, social media. You can actually contribute to that. You can actually upload a video to YouTube. You can tweet. You can post on Facebook. You can okay. leave a review on Open Table or on Google or Maps or whatever. Like that's Web two. More participation, user generated content, right? And then Web three is Web two, but ownership and de again decentralization democratization and disintermediation of web2 mm -hmm. so so a, a good example of this is uh you could have like a web3 version of uh uber where imagine everything about uber but instead of again this massive the car like, drives you <laughs> rather than this massive um you know billion multi-billion dollar conglomerate that um you know takes 40 percent of every driver's fair it's just a enabled by blockchains and distributed ledger technology that you have direct ownership as a user whether you're a driver or or a rider of the platform or like you could mm -hmm. own instead of facebook having all your data and selling it to advertisers you could own your own data and you can decide to sell it to advertisers if you want to so you yeah, get paid. I, I love that idea by the way like i would love to sell my own data Right. So the point the point is Web3 is this next level where, yes, you can not only do all the things you do in Web2, but it also allows for more ownership, user ownership, um, democratization. Uh, OK, it's still kind of a weird term to me. And it feels like we're picking and choosing like when we draw the line, like if you could say like what date Web3 started, you know what I mean? Like it feels like it's one of these broad terms. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like talking about boomers and Gen Z and millennials. It's like, yeah, there's not one hard date, but it's a it, it blends into one another. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, wherever you put that cutoff date, there's a boomer and a millennial that are pretty close in terms of how they think or eras they're born in and whatever. Um, right. But the point is that the terminology is not, like you said, exact, but it's it, it, it does the job. Gotcha. OK, so, so that's and it represents cool. something like even if you know, you know what I mean? Like. You say boomer and there's a set of things you can kind of like associate with that. You say web one and it's like Netscape Navigator and AOL. Mm -hmm. You say web two, it's, you know, again, Twitter and YouTube and all that. And you say web three and hopefully we'll be seeing more and more viable yeah. 
you know, examples of Web3 soon that will be, it'll be more. Who, so who's paying for that? And I, 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 I'm sure we can wrap up after this, but who's paying for that then, right? Like if I, so if it's Web3, it sounds like, okay, like Uber doesn't have to pay for development. Uber as a company doesn't have to pay for the data centers anymore. Or to keep but the point is that we would, we, the point is that we'd be able to, we can build something. In fact, it already exists. Uh, I forget what it's called, but there's a, there's already a blockchain version of Uber that is completely owned by the drivers and the riders. And so the point being, that uh you don't need uber it's not it's not meant to Ooh, enable man. it's not it's not meant to give uber more power it's meant to literally say we don't need you we're gonna do it without you and yeah. fuck you for taking 40 percent for all these years and for you're making your... my my capitalism bones quiver here <laughs> yeah man exactly <laughs> that's pretty cool i didn't know there was our... i'm gonna look into that too i didn't know there was so this a... is one of those things i'm talking about that's like an opportunity for blockchains to provide much more worker ownership democratization freedom autonomy uh, from these like oppressive centralized institutions. Like, again, yeah. you could have like a blockchain version of Twitter where, you know, nobody gets censored for saying something that is, uh, you know, the offense, offensive du jour, or you could have a blockchain version of, uh, again, Google, where you own your own data. I mean, it's all, once again, the theme being greater democratization, decentralization and disintermediation. Yeah. Yep. Of our interactions with each other and the internet. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can just imagine that, um, I forget the founder's names of Uber. One of them's a Travis though. And I, I imagine he's crapping his pants. Travis Kalanick. Yeah. 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 Travis Kalanick. It sounds like, it sounds like a, a, a drink. I hope you're not drinking Kalanick's my, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kalanick and Hennessy baby. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay. Well, cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate you walking me uh, through some of this. You know, I, I don't think I don't consider myself a newcomer to the game since I have some stock in it. Since I I have uh, a whole uh, Ethereum. Well, the, to be to be clear, let's let's make sure that we don't confuse people right here. But you don't own stock. In you're right. You're right. I uh, I guess I meant to say I had a vested interest. Okay. Because <laughs> um, some people think that Bitcoin is like a company and you own stock in it, and you know it's not. There's right, no, right. there's no CEO. There's no headquarters. There's no I, stock. I own, I own like a, a you own some Bitcoin. Dime. I own a nickel or dime of, of right. uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are, are people talking about it that way yet? Uh, they just say a whole coin, half a coin. People don't. Well, the, it's 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 divisible to eight decimal places into uh, what are called satoshis. Satoshis. So I don't say that I've got you know I've got twelve shitoshis. Or, you could, or, no, no. I mean people people do talk about so you yeah. can have so one Bitcoin is divisible to 1 million into 1 million so uh again eight decimal one places million yeah and so one like oh that makes me sound way richer i'm gonna go for that one then zero if you have one bitcoin you have a million satoshis and you see what i'm saying it's just like if you have one dollar oh, you have a hundred i cents. have like dozens if uh, you have one <laughs> if you have one dollar you have a hundred cents and if you have one bitcoin you have a million right. satoshis yeah. Well, that's that's where I see the lexicon going in the future. Is I've got a penny in coin, or I've got a dot, whatever it is. But kind of hard if it's gonna flex. Well, right. I mean, ideally, that's how it would it would be. Eventually, you'd just be able to say like, yeah, uh, this this costs you know, two, 20 satoshis, or this costs fifty satoshis, or a thousand satoshis. Yeah. You think they're gonna start? Uh, is, is FSU Honors gonna start taking Bitcoin so that your sister can pay pay for tuition that way? Or my God, as if college isn't gonna be expensive enough. I would never pay for I would never pay for anything in Bitcoin until it was the like completely you know until it displaces the dollar. To yeah. be honest, dude. By the time she graduates, I just hope it's all forgiven and we've put in that far of 
secondary education into our plan for saving America. I mean, Jesus, I'd, I'd love that, but I'm not counting on anything anymore. Dude, every, every month I get ready to pay my student loan back and like reactivate that reminder. I get thankful that I don't have to again. So hmm. keep putting it in Bitcoin, kids. Yeah. Don't <laughs> take the loan money, take the loans out. You can buy anything you want with them. My God, how many pictures of beer I bought from the Salty Dog Saloon that were on low loan monies mm-hmm. for, for student, um, like, I don't know, I was supposed to spend on tuition or housing or whatever. I, I mean, to convert that crap into Bitcoin. That's I mean, if you were, if you took out a, yeah, if you, had a student loan, if you had a student loan for, it just happened to be in 2017 and you just happened to buy Bitcoin at the beginning of the year and you happened to sell it at the end of the year, you could have 20 extra money. You'd, I mean, you'd make more than my ad degree ended up being worth. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, cool, man. Well, I still think it's a, it's a good rundown though for um, anybody who understand at this point, like if you've been listening to anything since 2017 or 2018, if you've had like a mostly developed frontal lobe, I think this conversation has been helpful and you gave me some good jumping points of things I want to go research and thank you more about yeah. specifically. I mean, I'm, I'm curious on how blockchain, like how Sierra Leone had a, a votes on blockchain. I want to look more into like the solar power stuff, whatever those future use cases are and the numbers behind the renewable energy. I'm going to go tell the IMT to shove it with those. We'll, we'll see if it's a good comment. I'll send you. I'll send you some of the stuff we talked about, and I would just, it, just for your general knowledge and understanding of the world, look more into the petrodollar. Yeah, that's a. Fun, I think I knew once you started describing what it was. I knew of the concept, but I guess I just hadn't heard that term since mm-hmm. I don't know some history class. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe you, you could throw, I don't know how we uh, upload these even. This is only our second go at it. And mm-hmm. I think the audio quality is going to be crispy, by the way. You sound great. <laughs> Thank um, you. So I don't know how much more we'll have to develop uh, around that. But if you could throw the link to your YouTube or throw the whatever you think is the best. Okay. Or a link to. Um, yeah, the show uh, notes. I'll create some show notes. Desk or something. Yeah, make some show notes. Throw those in uh, for, for our Spotify users here. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Cool, man. Well, I guess I'll let you go uh, rest up so you can uh, recover, get back into the swing of things with your tennis career. Is there, exactly. some, is there some development here? You're dedicating the YouTube channel to this? Are you playing on in competitions or on the main stage? Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm planning to enter tournaments. I've been getting a lot, a lot better recently. Um, and like, for example, I mean, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. before work, I have a, a private lesson. I play oh, that's two, dedication. Anything I, before eight o'clock is dedication. Right before work, I I I trained today. Like now, I'm working out strictly for tennis. Really, not for anything else. Oh, so you're getting um, in on me. Uh, I mean, I'm not like you know as big as I used to be, but I don't care to be. It's yeah, I'm, I'm training for tennis. Oh yeah, back um, when you work for Muscle Milk, I I doubt there is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to actually go to some. Um, tennis academies like where you literally live on campus for like a week at a time and you play you play tennis five hours a day and you work with coaches that you know are internationally renowned and all that so planning i'm documenting all this and yeah i'm trying to go pro i don't know if i told you that cool man well you're oh no i i know that i know that's your your uh like first stepping stone on your way to being the first socialist mayor of new york city so I, I like it and everybody you know you're building your following from here and you everybody thought they're into crypto but little do they know they're really interested in prolonging your professional honest career <laughs> well I'm, I'm your biggest fan i've thank you personally kicked so if you're getting better than that i don't know if we're going to be able to step on the court again together 
<laughs> that's my goal is to just uh, to never be able to play with my friends ever again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sorry, man. That sounds fun, but honestly, waste of both of our time. Why don't you go play right. with little brother? Me, me and Matt had a good, good uh, little. Uh, yeah, he, he said it was. He said it was like a war. It, it was. You know us, man. We go back and forth. So. Yeah, you played for like a couple hours. Shout out to Matty if he's. If shout out to Matt. <laughs> he definitely doesn't every, listen. Every episode, we'll find a shout out to Matt. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, cool, man. All right. Well, um, good talking with you. Send me yeah. up with some other stuff that if you don't want it to be show notes and uh, we'll keep the combo going. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll need another build out episode on this or get into energy and transportation or I, I don't okay. know if we'll be prepared to talk trans rights, but we'll, we'll keep that. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in continuing to have these conversations. It's just, uh, it's fun to get these ideas out there and it's also just good catching up. And so, yeah, happy to do it again. I'm your uh, best show host, so we'll, we'll... Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Uh, have a great night. Talk to you later. Later, man. Rest up. Take care. Peace.